chief priests of the Jews have won the day. This whole Jesus story is about to come to a swift end. Or so they think. You're listening to The Bible Brief. The suffering was intense. Jesus had just gone through a swift show trial. Though he had done nothing wrong, he was condemned of blasphemy for saying that he was the Son of God. He was condemned for speaking the truth. Though the Roman governor knew he was innocent, even he yet condemned him due to the crowd's pressure. That riotous crowd shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! In the end, the governor gave them what they wanted. Jesus was condemned to death by crucifixion. Roman scourging was the beginning of the death sentence for the Messiah. The death sentence was beginning in the city, the middle of the city that God had picked for himself. Jerusalem, the place of the great temple for God, had become the place of condemnation for the very same God. And before the crucifixion, first came the scourging. The first one stung. And the next one. Jesus was tied to a post and was given the punishment, though he'd done no wrong. The Romans used leather whips that had just not one end, but many ends. And each end had items tied to it. Maybe bones, hooks, or weights. This was the beginning of the death of the Son of God. Why won't he make it stop? Why won't the God of the universe stop his own suffering? After the lashes on the body, the mocking and the irony reached a new pitch as we see the king given a crown and robe, his blood immediately staining the robes. The soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head, and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him, and took the reed, and struck him on the head. The Messiah, the true King of Israel, is being mocked by the soldiers, who don't know they're mocking the true King. And the ultimate irony, the true God is being mocked as though he were a fake god. Truth is being called a lie. And the governor, seeing this display of mocking and beating, tries to reverse course. It says, From then on, the governor sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar, the king of Rome. So when the governor heard these words, he brought Jesus out and said to the Jews, Behold, your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to be crucified. Here we see the chief priests denying not only God as king, but also the Messiah as king. The ultimate denial of God. And yet, Jesus remains quiet, not stopping the proceedings, not intervening, not saving himself despite his innocence. Why won't he do something? So they took Jesus and he went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the Place of the Skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. 
There they crucified him. He was nailed to a cross of wood and hoisted into the air. And with him two robbers on either side and Jesus between them. The governor also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to the governor, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather, This man said I am king of the Jews. And the governor answered, What I have written, I have written. As the hours passed, Jesus hung there on the cross, nails in his hands, struggling to breathe. Death by crucifixion was primarily a death of exhaustion and suffocation. Suffocation occurred when the condemned could no longer lift his body enough to inhale. And Jesus listened to the people passing too. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I'm the son of God. And yet Jesus stayed there. He hung bloodied on the cross, struggling with each breath, heaving just to inhale every few seconds, mocked and suffering, God and king being executed as a criminal. And Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The Son of God had been executed crucified on a cross, cursed as a criminal. And despite having power and authority to make it all come to a stop, he stayed there hanging until his last breath. But why? Why would the God of the universe subject himself to such debasing humiliation and mocking, such pain and agony? Consider this. No power in the universe could keep the Son of God on the cross. And that means that Jesus chose to be there. He chose to stay there, and he chose to endure it. He chose it for love. Day 1 Day two. Day three. The disciple Peter was distraught. Perhaps he was thinking, have I wasted the last three years of my life following this roaming prophet around Judea who spoke about the coming kingdom of God? Was it really all just talk? It couldn't have been, right? I mean, I saw the miracles. I saw the healings. Those were real. But how could it all end like this? 
How could the Messiah, or so I thought, just be killed like a criminal? Wasn't he supposed to be king? Kings just don't die like that, not like criminals, not on Roman crosses. And to make it worse, I denied that I even knew him. I couldn't even stick out my neck for him, despite everything he'd done for me. Even if he was just a prophet, he'd still fed me and healed my relatives. He'd still called me from being just a regular fisherman to being a fisher of men, to be a disciple. We were spreading the message of the kingdom, and he chose me to help. But I rejected him when it really counted. When I could have spoken up, I was ashamed instead. I even denied I knew him. But what did any of this matter now? Dead is dead. And Jesus was dead. But soon Peter was awakened from these hopeless thoughts. He heard some voices coming along the road. They were yelling and it sounded like maybe that was Mary's voice, one of the women who'd traveled with them. She sounded breathless, like she'd been running for a long time. And then he heard her words. The tomb is empty. And now Peter? Peter was running. He had to see for himself. Many went to the empty tomb that day, and rumor spread quickly through Jerusalem of the empty tomb. Soon it reached the ears of the chief priests who had conspired to plan the execution of Jesus. It says this in Matthew chapter 28. Some of the Roman guard responsible for guarding the tomb went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we'll satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. The chief priests had to shut down this news, no matter the cost, even if it meant lying to the people. These rumors that were beginning to start about Jesus had to be stifled. But more and more people started saying that Jesus had walked with them or spoken to them. More started to believe that something amazing had happened. People began to say a word that was almost too good to be true. Resurrection. Love is what kept the Son of God on the cross. Love, the verb of godliness, the bow on the gift of Jesus, the color of the atoning blood. Love caused him to leave heaven, to take a body and to subject himself to death. Love for the whole world, for everyone. Love for his enemies. Ever since the Garden of Eden, humans have been rebelling against God. They murdered their brothers, they built towers, they sacrificed their children, they built the idols to fake gods, they complained, they rejected God's rule, they denied his power, and this all culminating in denying God's own son. Humanity was hopeless. But God started a plan way back in that garden, a plan to cover over all the wickedness of people, an atonement covering to take away the stain of sin from people, a plan to save the world that had gone astray. And this cross was that plan, the final once-for-all atonement covering for all people for all time. A covering not of a Passover lamb, 
but of the Lamb of God. A covering not consisting of an animal skin, but a covering of the righteousness of God Himself. Only God could offer this solution, because humanity's state was hopeless to solve it ourselves. It's here, on the cross, that the love of God is expressed to the nth degree. Love so deep that the Son of God leaves heaven to go die on a cross to save the people He made. Jesus was the ultimate substitute. He took the death penalty so that people wouldn't have to. He took the punishment for sin so that He could pave the way to relationship with God again. A way opened a way opened only by faith in Jesus, God's Son. The righteous covering available for all with one requirement, faith. Faith, after all, is the key to righteousness. Join us next time as we see the rumors of the resurrection cease to be rumors. We're going to meet the risen Messiah. Thanks for listening to The Bible Brief. Are you enjoying the podcast? One of the best ways for the show to grow is for you to share it with a friend. Will you do that today? We'd love to help more people understand the life-changing story and message of the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2022